It's the Exit 52 podcast. Myself, Taylor Smythe, RDT, Banks coming at you. Ravens, Eagles week. Stay tuned for our interview with Ravens long snapper Morgan Cox coming at you. After we preview the game this weekend, it's Baltimore Ravens versus the Philadelphia Eagles. 1 p.m. CBS. We have no announcer assignments, which is really upsetting me before we came on to record this show. 7,500 fans will be there at the link. The first game the Ravens will play in front of live fans, except for, I think, the friends and family they were letting at MT Bank Stadium, but actual real fans spread a seven and a half. The over under is 47 and a half. This once again feels like a game where the Ravens, although the Eagles are probably a more live dog than the Bengals and the Washington football team. The Ravens should be able to take care of the Eagles this weekend. The Eagles were competitive against the Steelers this past week. Banks, I'll kick it to you first. Just overall thoughts on this matchup. Ravens and Eagles have played some good ones in the past. They've had some some salt there in the past. The T.O. Ray Lewis stuff was good back in the day. This game doesn't have a ton of heat, uh, but one where the Ravens should take care of business. I think you described it well on the, the most recent instant analysis looking ahead to this game. I think the Eagles are a bit of a live dog. They've kind of been backed into a corner with all their injuries, like pretty much not having a wide receiver in sight. And they've found a way to, to compete. I mean, that's a big win over a 49ers team, you know, with or without the quarterback situation in San Francisco. That's a good football team. So they've shown some fight. They've uh, they've stayed in it. And their, their division is wide open, as we all know. That's a really, you know, courteous way to put it. That division stinks. But – they're kind of the favorites in that division with with uh, Dak Prescott out, and they have every reason to try to fight and beat a good Ravens team here. So they're kind of our rivals. The, you know, we joke about the I-95 thing and all that. Very similar cities to a degree. Um, it should be a good one. I'm, I'm excited for it. I, I'm going to go out and say, and again, this isn't really necessarily on the game, I think the Eagles do win that division down the road. I, I think they win it. Um, what so- an achievement. We'll put it. <laughs> we'll put that one in the uh, the tickler file, as Brian likes to say. Um, I I mean, this is a game, and I feel like we're just repeating ourselves now. Like yeah, like you guys said, I think the Eagles are uh, you know a live dog. What, what was their slogan? Hungry dogs run faster. They're they're one of those hungry dogs, you know. Absolutely. We'll, feed it. we'll, we'll go back sure. to the dog math. Underdogs. Uh, yeah. Like... You know. Um, but I I think that they are probably better than the um than the the Bengals and some of the teams that the Raiders have played in the past couple of weeks. But um, I feel like this is a game – this is a get-right game for the Ravens. Um, technically, it's a road game. Again, like, like their, two out of their, their last two road games are bus games. You know, you take a bus home, you're going to sleep in your bed that night. Um, so I, I, think, I think it obviously favors them. The Eagles, I think they're, they're – obviously their biggest thing is the quarterback play. And like Brian said, their, their team stinks. The capital stinks. Um, they have no one to throw the ball to. I could see the defense kind of, again, their offensive line is beat up. I can see a uh, replay of last week where you line up, you get a sack, and, and that's, that's your play for the day. You know, Marlon's going to get one or two, and, and I think we're going to be moving on to the Steeler game. So, it, yeah, again, it, it's just kind of like blah. It's another black game. It's, it's, a, it's a boring kind of game against a team that is really underachieving uh, and underperforming, and I think this is a perfect matchup for the Ravens. I think the last thing that Carson Wentz wants to see right now is this secondary. He has been so mistake prone. He's kind of seems like he's lost in the sauce. Uh, we've seen him play at a high level and that's why my ears are a little perked up. And that's why they're quote unquote live dogs. Carson Wentz could at any moment, I guess, turn it back on and play at a, 
borderline MVP level, but that's just not the way that he's played all season. He looks brutal and he's making poor decisions, throwing it into bad coverage and the Ravens feast on those kind of quarterbacks. And it's, it's hard to imagine that the Ravens aren't going to get at least a couple and turn it into a big play. And, and that's all the Ravens really need because this offense, even though it seems to be struggling, is still putting points on the board. So I don't know. I it just if, if the Ravens just play their game and don't make too many mistakes themselves, it's hard to imagine them not winning this game. Yeah, Wentz has nine picks so Oof. far this year. He's got six touchdowns and nine picks. Yeah. Um, so far this season. And and the best offensive player is Miles Sanders, obviously. Um, who, who's been solid the last couple of weeks. Um, he's averaging 5.1 yards a carry. They're certainly going to want to try to establish him. But as you said, the issue for the Eagles is their guys on the outside in, in Fulgrim and, and Greg Ward and the other guys they're going to throw out there. These are guys that the Ravens can put Marcus Peters and their corners out on an island and really focus on, on bottling up Miles Sanders. And the question is, can Carson Wentz make enough throws in this current kind of, as you said, kind of a bizarre iteration of Carson Wentz where two or three years ago, it looked like he might end up being the best quarterback in the league when he was sort of an MVP candidate. And then they won the Super Bowl. He, uh, you know, Nick Foles got it done for him. Now he is in this weird purgatory where every once in a while he looks great and makes great decisions. Then other times in the, in the times we watch him. And as you said, they were on, they were on prime time. So watch a lot of that, that 49ers Eagles game. That was a little bit of a rock fight at times. Um, he makes just some some crazy, crazy bad decisions. Um, and he does not have a lot of weapons. They did not address that um, enough. They have not figured out a way to employ Jalen Hurts in a way that scares anybody yet, um, which I think a lot of people thought was going to be a nice way to kind of um, rejigger what they were doing. But you haven't seen a ton of him so far this season. It's a very middle-of-the-road defense, if you just look at the, at the rankings, um, that has played okay this year and, and not played great. And feels like one that if we have a healthier Lamar Jackson coming into the week, he stated he feels healthy, he's going to practice all week, that this Ravens offense should be able to um, score against. And then if Carson Wentz is going to give you the two or three mistakes a game, that that's pretty much going to do it for the Eagles. He has got to be mistake-free, I think, if they're going to win this football game, at least mistake-free based on all the other stuff he's done, which is the opposite of that. I agree. I, it seems as though all the mistakes he's making is when he's extending plays. And that used to be kind of his MO. He would kind of pull rabbits out of his ass. And he's he's still doing that in terms of getting outside the pocket and creating opportunities. And then he just makes baffling decisions. And I think the way that Wink Martindale sends the heat, creates pressure, whether it be um, off the edge or through exotic blitzes, cornerback blitzes, whatever, I just think it's going to create too much confusion um, maybe he'll make a play or two flushing out and making one of those kind of backyard kind of plays, but all signs point to more likely than not, he's going to make a big mistake or two that, uh, this defense will feast on. And that seems to be their MO for the last year or so, pretty much since they got Marcus Peters. And, and I know you guys were just talking about it. Um, I think the Eagles are the worst in football with turnover differential. I think they're minus 11. And like you said, I mean, I, I mean, I would imagine. The, yeah, the not picks. picks is terrible. And I don't think, I don't think um, Wentz has a game where he has more touchdowns than interceptions this year, which is, I mean, that's, it's God awful. Like you said, all these mistakes he's making, um, they're going to get a ball or two tipped up or Marlon's going to punch one out. It's just, it's inevitable. Um, it's just, yeah. And like you said, I mean, Wentz was on his way to being the MVP when he dove into the end zone and, and tore up his knee against the Rams. And, and like you said, we, 
we know the story, you know, Foles goes on and wins uh, Super Bowl. And, you know, it's not a big deal, but Derrick Henry does have more playoff passing touchdowns than Carson Wentz does. So that's, that's got to end sometime. It may end this year, but who knows? Um, again, just, I think they're just a bad team, but I do think they win that division. Like I said earlier, it's just, it's, it's going to be a weird game for sure. And like I said earlier, it's going to be a get right game. Yeah, I mean, you look at their their games this season so far, a, a putrid second half and the loss to the professional football team in week one. They pretty much get boat raced by, in week two by the Rams. Um, the controversial tie where they kind of played for the tie at the end of the game against Cincinnati, which is kind of looking like the right decision because with that tie, that probably might help them win the division and how, with how bad that division is now with the Cowboys without Prescott is just going to be wild. Um, then they beat San Francisco with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. Fair enough. That's a talented team. Um, and then they stayed with Pittsburgh this week. Although I don't think any of us know if Pittsburgh at this point is for, is for real. And we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I think the, the Eagles are the best of this sort of, th- we, we set it up as kind of a three game get right stretch for the Ravens. I think clearly the Eagles are the best of these three teams. Not that that's saying a ton, um, but I think the Ravens go on and win this game fairly comfortably. The only thing that prevents that, and I pose this question to you guys, is do we see a better Lamar Jackson this week? Uh, one of the biggest reservations coming off of this Bengals game was the fact that he did not look right, um, or at least right up to his normal standard. This should be a bounce back for him if you listen to what he said and what John Harbaugh said to the media this week. Do you guys see him coming out and playing with a little – bit of a chip considering what he what he came off last week I think we see a better Lamar Jackson and that's you know that's the optimist in me he did he definitely didn't look right in that second half and late in that that first half but I went went back and rewatched the game he did make some good throws early in the game um and I think that we were just a little bit and Ravens fans it seems like as a whole, we're with me on this, that they're in this blind rage about the team not running the football enough. The problem is that they're not running the football well enough. You know, they're, they're just not getting those big chunk plays that, that create short down to distances and, and, you know, the double digit runs and all that, like they broke a couple with the Duvernay run and, and the Dobbins run, but I think it's kind of clouding everybody's judgment in terms of, of what this offense is capable of. They're still scoring points, you know, I actually looked up uh, just to put this on everyone's radar, and I'm sure that um, in the next couple games it will be kind of an out-there statistic. The Ravens are tied right now for the second most consecutive games of 20-plus points scored. They've they've scored 20-plus points in 28 straight games. Do you know what that first game was? Mm, got nothing. No. As Lamar Jackson's <laughs> first start as an NFL quarterback. Ah, they have scored 20 plus points in every single regular season game. I know Eric is kind of sitting there like smirking. I was I wasn't gonna say points. it, but I know so I might as well say it. We all know, but you know, that's the playoff discussion is a bigger one that we don't need to have right now. <laughs> but they've put points on the board consistently. That's all with Lamar Jackson. It flipped on a dime when he started to become their quarterback, and 
you know, the, the other teams on this list, the Broncos in 2013-14 went 30 straight. That's the record, Peyton Manning. They're currently tied with the 99-2000 Rams, greatest show on turf. The greatest show on turf. Decent team. We don't have the 83 to 85 Dolphins. Oh, let's and talk about it. Who did they beat in the Super Bowl? I can't we're, remember. We're, no, we just said we're not doing playoff talk here, so let's let's <laughs> move Okay, boys? Ah, he's so close to the end zone, Eric. <laughs> uh, how many points did they score in that game, by the way? I don't know. Was it 16? Oh, no. There was the Rams that did score 20. Um, yeah, they did. The, uh, and the Chiefs, the 17 to 19 Chiefs, their streak has ended. So this is an active streak, and they have an opportunity to get one away from surpassing or tying the record for 20-plus points in the game. I think it's fascinating. I think just because yeah. we had this, this season last year where the, the team lit up the scoreboard with all kinds of numbers that the bar has almost been raised too high for a repeat performance – and this defense is better than last year's defense, so they don't need to score as much. So to kind of put it into context of what Lamar looked like last week, I think that the Ravens are are forcing the issue and throwing the ball more to a degree because they need to, to see what they have in terms of that. And, yeah, it hasn't looked good for Lamar, but he's throwing in situations potentially that he normally wouldn't be in. So I don't know. It's, it's just something to kind of consider. Like if, if the team just went out there and continued to run the football with leads all season long and just win game after game after game, just like they did last year, what would they do to improve and change what happened last year? They ha- I mean, you have to think about it that way. Maybe they should be throwing the ball more than they are because they're throwing the ball or they're running the ball more than people realize. But do you get what I'm saying by that? Like mm-hmm. if they just keep doing the same process that led to a playoff disappointment last year by running the ball in the second half over and over and over, then what are we doing? So it would gotta- be, it would be nice for Lamar to, to show some steps with a couple of different guys for me in the passing game. For sure. Uh, Duvernay looks like a player at this point. For I would me. love when to see in, him more involved. A couple more, a couple more, just get them in rhythm. And then at some point, this has got to come together with miles Boykin. Yeah. I mean, they <laughs> don't seem like they're on the same page. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, that is the guy on the outside. Obviously, Andrews is going to be the main red zone target for sure over the middle and the seam, whatever. But it, to open that up to the outside and make it so, you know, defenses don't focus on Andrews and, and Marquise Brown once they're down there, Miles Boykin's a weapon down there. And they have not been able to figure that out. So I would like to see some steps taken in those two specific relationships because without Hayden Hurst, you need another big target um, for Lamar. Talk a little, talk a little catch radius. Give me some catch radius, Miles Boykin. Let's figure this out. Um, so I, I would like to see a couple steps taken there, um, and then maybe let maybe get Justice Hill a little bit more involved. Hey, bring in another running back. I do think Justice they should Hill? start. With, that guy's on a milk carton. Get him in. Get him in there. No, I do think they should start the game with with Gus Edwards. Start the game with the Gus Bus. He deserves it. Mark Ingram, you know, Gus Bus. Hit the bus, baby. Hit the bus. I mean, it would be smart again, like, like, like you do. I mean, you don't want to get punched in the mouth all game. And if that's that first, that first carry, if you got him going downhill, like, you know, you're chopping off seven, eight yards on that first drive, it, the defense knows they're going to be in for a long day. So, yeah, I mean, it's, Mm-mm. it's a smart Mm-mm. play. And then, and then when the guys are, when they're tired and when they're all beat down that second half, you hit him with a JK Dobbins, you hit him with an Ingram. And, you know, again, you ride off into the sunset. Tell you what, J.K. Dobbins has got ridiculous balance. I just said he did. We didn't talk about that in the instant analysis. He, he, he stays on his feet. He does. Incredibly well. 
It's it's he, almost it's, Ray Rice ish. He did it again. He did it against Maryland a million times. So I watched it a lot in college, and that well, you know. And then he does he does it for the Ravens. So it's 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 really great to see in a team I'm rooting for. Uh, let's go around the picks. Banks, you can start this week. Your prediction: Ravens twenty-seven, Eagles ten. I think that Lamar Jackson uh, bounces back. I think we see him run a bit more. I don't know. The Bengals kind of brought a different approach than what they have brought in the past for themselves and from what other teams have done defensively. They really tried to force everything to the outside, which is which is what you should do. And the Ravens, you know, anytime you do something like that, and this is the conundrum for all the defenses in the league facing the Ravens, in order to do that, you have to be giving something up defensively. That's the conundrum of, of the run-pass option and, and what Lamar brings to the table. And Greg Roman didn't really hold his end up hold his end of the bargain in terms of exploiting those things. So I think that they're going back to the drawing board and they're going to attack the middle of the field, uh, especially in the run game. And I just think that they run for 150 plus as a team. Lamar runs for probably 50 or 60, runs one in, um, throws for a couple, and Justin Tucker boots a couple through. 27 ten. Ravens 35. Eagles 13, the mayor of Pennsylvania <laughs> turns it over three times. Oof. And Lamar Jackson throws for a 50 plus yard touchdown this week. Bang. Eric. Uh, I'm going, I already had mine written down. I'll go 31 17. Um, and I want, I almost, I want to say they're going to do something funky on special teams. I don't think they're going to do the punt, though. I don't think they're going to do the fake punt. Um, I don't know what it is, but I think something's funky is going to happen on a special teams play. Um, but other than that, I mean, I'm sure I'll bet, I'll bet my house right now that, that Wentz has a, a, you know, handful of turnovers and, and this game is over in the second half. Easy. Um, I'll go 31, 17, 31, 17. It's funny. You talk about, um, potentially something interesting happening on special teams. You could have asked for some insight from our guest, Morgan Cox, who we bring on right now the long snapper for the Baltimore Ravens, a three-time pro bowler, a part of one of the most beloved packs in the history of Baltimore sports, the Wolf Pack with Justin Tucker and Sam Cook. I would say the best special teams unit in the NFL. I don't think I'm going to get any argument from my two co-hosts here or anybody who lives and is a Ravens fan. Um, Morgan was absolutely fantastic with his time. We dove into a bunch of different stuff with him from – the intricacies of the position to the celebration after the Super Bowl, um, to his relationship with his two guys, Sam and Justin, and a bunch of other things. So let's jump into our interview with Ravens long snapper, Morgan Cox. Something magic happens. Back here on the Exit 52 podcast, our first player guest. It's an honor to have the three-time Pro Bowler, Baltimore Ravens long snapper, Morgan Cox. Morgan, it's an honor to have you as the first player guest, really, as you come. And thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. Glad to be on. First of all, obviously you guys four and one on the season, but really the haters were saying you were washed up, Morgan. They were saying coming into the year, you guys were done, but one and a half tackles in the last two games. So you're kind of, you're kind of balling right now. Uh, <laughs> do you have to say to the people that said you were washed? Man, I, uh, I was, I was pretty excited about the, the, the really both tackles, but um, my goal this year was to get as many tackles as possible, obviously all the time. But coming into the season, I had nine career tackles and I'm in my 11th year. You know, I really, I can't finish 
my career with less than a tackle a year. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting up there to where I, I got a respectable average now. I'm no, moving I'm no in Zach the... Diossi, but, you know, I'm getting up there. So moving in the right direction. I love it. Right. <laughs> What's uh, the process of, of going down there and getting a tackle after snapping? Like, that's always interesting to me. Like, are you like firmly heading down the field to chase the partner? Or are there times where you stand there and you're like, ah, all right. Well, they've got, they've so, got so the way I like to put it is it's the greatest mismatch on the football field at any given time. I'm literally the worst athlete. <laughs> Check my Madden rating. I'm literally the worst athlete on the field um, in the league, maybe, you know, depending <laughs> on who you ask. Going up against the, the person catching the ball is typically the best athlete, you know, the best, you know, change of direction, pretty fast uh, guy. And so I'm running down the field, you know, it's, it's a matter of, of respect as to who the team typically blocks or, or you know, doubles or whatever. Um, and I am never blocked running down the field. So uh, I don't know if that tells you anything else that you need to know about my uh, change of direction and skills and tackling. But I get down there and typically I'm trying to fill a lane. That's like my job is I'm trying to like, you know, uh, fill a lane and make sure that the either the returner doesn't go side to side. The two um, tackles I got this year, my responsibility was to make sure if he went wide side of the field to try and make him what we call bubble or um, turn him back inside. Um, but uh, the uh, other responsibilities I've had in the past is like just run straight down the field, make sure he doesn't go north and south. Um, and um, yeah, so it's really just kind of it's it can be a game plan thing for me. Um, cause like I said, I'm, I'm kind of a free runner down there and they just want me to get in the way, you know, <laughs> so. sure. I've always been interested because I actually punted a little bit in high school. Um, when the ball's up in the air, do you have some sort of instinct or is there some com sort of communication? When I would punt, I would try to yell left or right or middle or whatever it might be. Is there a communication system in place or is it just kind of mayhem watch the returner and try not to get, you know, deked out too much or. What's the, what's the process there? Well, go, running onto the field, we typically have, we'll have a call. So um, Sam will, will tell us if it's going to be right or left. And if you guys know anything about Sam, you know, he's extremely good directionally. And so if he says he's going to go left, then we're going to run left. And, and generally the ball is going to be there uh, for, if we uh, call right, then same deal. Um, so there's not as much communication from him necessarily uh, after he's punted the ball, but typically we have a net running down the field. Everybody's kind of part of the net um, and has a responsibility. So th there's communication within the guys running down the field of, you know, who's got what spacing and, um, and, and whose responsibility is to make sure that, you know, the returner doesn't split us or, you know, doesn't get, get an edge on us. That kind of like what I was talking about earlier. And so there's communication as we're running and, guys are getting blocked and stuff. They're trying to, you know, feel the, the leverage of, you know, where the return team is trying to push us. Like, so if they're trying to push us on towards one side of the field, it means the return's going another way. So you're typically going to try and fight against that resistance as well. So a lot goes into it. Not just, <laughs> not just chaos, just that is down the field. So much more nuanced than high school yeah. football in Maryland. I would just boot yeah. that thing and it was a spray chart. Nobody yeah. knew where yeah. it was going. <laughs> okay. That's okay. Um, 
so you've been here for a good a good decade. Um, you had a good camp battle with Matt Catula. I want to say that he had broken his hand the season before, and, and you came in and and beat him out in a camp battle. And you've been here for about a decade since. Um, kind of looking at a list of things here from your career, some some pretty cool events. Um, but there's one that I think that you have in your mind that you're a little salty about maybe. Um, so maybe I should set the scene here a little bit. Um, people know who Josh Cribbs is. He's a stud. He's an all-time guy. Absolutely. Um, and you guys had to deal with him quite a bit. Now you go down the field, you make a perfect form tackle and jar the ball a little loose based on the replay that I saw. And then Daniel Ellerby comes in full steam, knocks his block off, helmet goes flying, football goes flying, Jamil McLean dives on it, and you didn't get credit for any of it, not even the tackle? No no credit, but here's, here's where I did get credit. So there's a pretty sweet picture of, like, me, like you said, in the form tackle position, shoulder on his stomach, you know, perfect NFL-sanctioned uh, tackle, and uh, – <laughs> someone I guess in the end zone I guess if I had to guess where this photographer was snapped a picture right as his helmet is like flying off his head obviously after Donnell hit him but it looks like I hit him so hard that <laughs> someone comes flying off so we played on Thursday night uh and the uh the next day the Friday morning like USA Today sports picture on the front page was a picture of me tackling Josh Cribs with his helmet flying off. And, and, and Josh is a great guy. Like I said, he's, uh, he was kind of, we like to say like, like his career got started with Jerry Rossberg as well. Uh, who was our special teams coordinator for years. This is an unbelievable special teams coordinator. And um, so we know, we knew Josh personally and stuff. And, and when I saw him knocked out, of course I was concerned and everything, but um, once, you know, Josh was, was okay and stuff. We were, I was, I'm definitely going to be showing the grandkids, you know, Hey, if you step out of line, <laughs> did, did they up your, they got up your Madden rating after that. They had to have given you some, some points for that. Well, it didn't, I didn't sustain it. If that's true, <laughs> wow. like a 28 or something. So I, my, my theory on that, and I understand why you wouldn't be given that Cribs was, he was out cold. Um, mm-hmm. But Ellerby comes out of the pile, whooping it up, you know, look at me. Hey, I made this big hit, set the yeah. helmet flying and all that. And you're kind of just hanging out. I was, on, like, I was concerned. I was, okay. I mean, it's I, understandable. I saw his helmet off and I was like, there's no way I did that, you know, and, and I see him on the ground and there's, I mean, there's just concern. Cause like I said, I made the tackle, like I was, you know, trained to basically. And I didn't feel like I did anything special, <laughs> but then I look up on the big, big screen and, I see what happened and, and uh, you know, I'm still concerned for him, but it, you know, it made a lot more sense to me. So yeah. Credit to you for being a nice guy, but nice guys don't get the tackles on the statute. Apparently. Apparently not. You know, I, <laughs> I thought about trying, you know, talking to the, the PR department, whoever does the stat corrections. Yeah, those and, are important, man. Going back like seven years and seeing if they can make issue a correction. But I think the statute of limitations is, is up on that. <laughs> Now, that was in 2012, obviously great year, Super Bowl year. I don't think people give a lot of credit to Justin Tucker for making that key field goal to make that a field or a, a five-point game instead of um, a two-point game. But then thereafter, uh, had to run kind of the, the fire drill play, whatever you want to call it, with Sam Cook and trying to run out the clock there. 
can you kind of take me through what was going through your head or how much you prepared for that or, or, or how, do, how did that even come about? Yeah, I mean, so one of the more memorable things about the Super Bowl, um, obviously the lights going out and everything, but at the very end of the game, um, they had the ball, the 49ers had the ball uh, first and five, first and goal from the five yard line. And, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there, I think we were, I think we were down by five. So they would have gone up, you know, they would have gone up one plus they probably would have done the extra point or, or, or try to do a, a two point conversion. So there would have been either a tie or a winning field goal. Um, and so it's easy to do the math on the sidelines when, when they get the ball down there. And I'm just like, I mean, Justin and I love to talk about it, about, you know, the breathing techniques we were doing to like, you know, keep ourselves calm during that moment. But uh, defense stood and we got the ball back and, you know, time's running down. We knew that the end of the game wasn't, it was probably going to work out. We we're going to have to punt or, you know, knowing situations well enough that we were going to have to do a, uh, a safety. We had the, we had installed the play um, really years before that even happened. And so people ask me now, you know, were you nervous for that, for that moment? And I said, man, com considering what I had prepared in my mind about those last moments, uh, that was, that was a cinch. I just had to send it back to Sam and then grab everybody that I could, which is what I did. I mean, I literally grabbed, I grabbed one guy like around the back and then I, and then the guy next to him, I literally had a hold. I had like somehow hooked my finger on his wristband and was like holding him down while Sam was like scrambling around and stuff. And, um, you know, somebody got free, I think, and, and pushed Sam out of bounds. And uh, it was, it was a cool redemption moment for Sam, for Sam to be able to kick that last um, uh, punt after safety because he had had a, he had a punt that he wasn't happy with earlier in the game. And, and he absolutely smashed that last um, punt, punt after safety and made the tackle and game was over and everything, but it was, uh, it was a pretty awesome moment when the confetti came down or, or as Ladarius Webb, the, the graffiti came down um, <laughs> after the game and, and we got to touch the trophy and hold the, you know, get our family out there and everything. So I was going to say, what is like the moment after winning the Super Bowl feel like? I mean, there's not many people in the world that get that feeling and that sure. entire show that goes on and the families all come down and everything. Describe that a little bit. We had had it described to us by Ray for, you know, for years. I'd been there for three years with Ray and he had very often referred to it in those, you know, kind of moments about, you know, this is what we're, this is what we're fighting for is, is to, be on the field and our colors come down when the graffiti falls and and literally so so I was kind of mentally prepared for that moment is is like here comes the 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 I literally almost said the graffiti the confetti <laughs> coming down and I see these like silver streamers I don't know why I had it in my head but I was like I bet it would be really fun to just run through with like my my hands thrown out as wide as possible and catch as much much of those streamers as I could and so there's like pictures uh, online of me like running through those streamers and and then ESPN tweeted out a, a, a picture of me laying in the confetti um, after doing like confetti angels uh, afterwards and the, the caption of the picture was uh, when you win the Super Bowl you get to bathe in confetti and that I mean that sums it up as, about as as good as you can but after that it's just really chaos I mean they had uh, they had our families down in this like 
this room where they could come out. Um, my brother got chased by a police officer. Uh, <laughs> he didn't have like a pass. Oh a no. Pass. And like, <laughs> he comes onto the field. It's a great story. Um, I wish he, he could tell it too, but, um, he comes onto the field and, uh, police officer sees him, sees he doesn't have like his like little lanyard or whatever with the pass that everybody else does. And he's like, sir, you need to get out of here. You don't have a pass. And he said, my brother just won the Super Bowl. I'm going to be on this field. And so he said, you're going to have to catch me. And so then he takes <laughs> off running and this police officer's like, like running after him. And he's just like, you know, zigzagging all over the field, trying to find me. And like, he was the first person to find me uh, of my family. And he just like jumps into my arms. And like, there's a picture of, of him, like, you know, like him, like, like literally in my arms. And uh, I didn't know this at the time, but the police officer had run after him. And like, once he jumped onto my shoulders and into my arms, he was like, see, I told you, I told you. And the police officer just kind of like shook his hand and was like, whatever. (laughs) And then we, you know, did the family pictures and everything. And um, I was, I mean, there's like countless stories I could go on and on about that night. Feel free. I mean, we're all, we're all here. There's a little bit of like a, 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 I was going to say, cause you're in New Orleans there where I ever describe it, but uh, I could describe the atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. Where do you guys go at that point? Are you guys like heading out to bourbon street? Like, I mean, you're in the party capital of the world at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So we, so no, we, we, we ended up, um, we went to locker room, which it was kind of anticlimactic after, after the fact, because you do everything on the field. And then you go in the locker room and like guys have kind of been on their own time. They're either going, they either got out there quick or they were on the field for a while, all that stuff. But then all the guys doing media too, probably right. Media, everything. So we went, I went back in the the locker room, got dressed, went back to the hotel, um, got dressed for the after party. And they didn't tell us, I think on purpose where the after party was. (laughs) And um, they load us all up in those, um, buses um you know the the big buses that we always travel in, and had the lights on in the in the bus and so that we couldn't see out i guess that was the strategy and they drove <laughs> us over this like t- this massive tent um where we you had to have you had to have a pass and my actually my dad was standing at the um at the entrance waiting for me to bring him his bring him his pass and he said he saw um steve bashadi like have he had his pass in his hand the man like paying for the party his pass in his hand and hands it to the guard and like my dad was like blown away you know that that was that was the level of uh security that they had at the place but yeah it was it was awesome we had all kinds of stars and musicians everybody showed up for it. it was it was pretty pretty awesome do you remember who the most like notable baltimore diehard celebrity was like whether it was an athlete from baltimore like who is like this the person was ready to go i have i have pictures with phelps um (laughs) from that night um josh charles was there um hung out with him for a while the the actor and um i'm trying to think uh there were several other stars and i wouldn't necessarily they're not necessarily like Baltimore people, but um, I think Flo Rida was there. Um, Beyonce, Z showed up. Oh wow! Uh, who big time. Uh, Mary J. Blige performed, I think, um, at the at the show or at the party. So I mean, it was it was awesome. I mean, it, 
I was there with my family, so I was pretty focused on them and, you know, having fun with them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. We had, so one, one, one moment, I, I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm rambling. So if you guys need, we need to move on and cut no, me this off. Is great no, stuff. roll. Right after, uh, <laughs> right after we won, um, I had brought some, some cigars, uh, to the, to the Super Bowl in this like little carry case and stuff. And, you know, you know, if we won, I, I wanted to smoke them. And so, um, I gave Sam and Justin one and we walked out onto the, to the field. Um, and, we start lighting this, these cigars up and the police officer there is like, you can't do that in here. And all three of us, like almost simultaneously were like, we just won the Super Bowl. We're going to do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> we had like a, uh, Joe, Joe Burrow moment, I guess, if you, it, yeah. before Joe Burrow had his moment, oh, uh, geez. but we've got pictures of, uh, of all three of us just like, you know, smoking cigars in the, so uh, baller. <laughs> on the field. It was cool. Very cool stuff. Uh, any spots picked out for Tampa by chance? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't need to. If they're going to black out the buses, take you wherever you want. Just yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Super Bowl. Awesome stuff. A uh, few other things in your career here I have in front of me. Um, unfortunately, you, you, you tore your ACL in 2014. Do you remember who came in to snap after you in that game? I do. Um, I re actually, I tore my ACL. That was my second time. I tore my left ACL in 2010, and I tore my right ACL in 2014. And you and, played uh, through it in 2010, didn't you? I did. I did. That's tough. Wow. It was, yeah. it, was, uh, it was definitely painful. There was a moment there where we hadn't gotten it totally braced up. We didn't actually know what had happened, but I had to get back on the field early enough or quickly enough after the injury. We previously had just thought it was like an MCL, which – I had heard people like played through. And so I was like, Oh, I'm not going to be the guy that doesn't play <laughs> through it. And so I went out on the field and I get down to my stance and I remember like the top half of my leg, um, mm. Kate like goes in and the bot, like my, like Oof. knee like stays oh. in the same place. And so I, like, I like grab my thigh, push it back into like where it's supposed to be. And then, uh, it didn't hurt. I will say like, it didn't hurt that bad. It was just a <laughs> weird feeling like yeah. a, like a dislocation almost. And then pushed it back, and we snapped it and made the field goal. Um, but uh, once we got in at halftime, they told me, "Yeah, you tore your ACL. We can." And I was like, "Well, I've already played. You might as well just brace it up and just let me finish the game." And so they they uh, they, they were cool with it. Um, they weren't really cool with it. They just you know they were like, "Okay, um, I guess if that's what you want to do." It's uh, um, big for uh, street cred, there, is it not? Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. The the. <laughs> street cut afterwards um but then yeah so in 2014 i was running down on a punt um trying to uh tackle devin hester i'm gonna go back to the like worst athlete versus the best best athlete thing uh and uh just planted and and knee gave out uh that was week seven of 2014 and kevin mcdermott came in for me uh for seven games after that and then pat scales who had previously uh competed with in camp uh, came in for uh, two two regular season games and two postseason games. So, yeah, it was. A I think I had game. my notes. Somebody finished that particular game for you, though. Uh, Haloti actually, yeah, Haloti yeah. came in for me. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, because I because that one I did not finish. You know, big wuss. Uh, when, when <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? You can't get through the second ACL. Come on. Yeah. I know. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Haloti had actually practiced 
several times. I mean, he was prepared for it. He's a hardball um, guy, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, he still doesn't want it, but he was uh, he was prepared for it. Went in. Um, I think they they passed on a fourth down um, punt that we were on like the forty something. I think uh, I was watching from the training room. They were on the forty something and decided, you know, we don't have a snapper, so we're just going to throw it up to Torrey Smith. Well, it turns out he caught it in the end zone. He scored a touchdown on like fourth and whatever it was. And then Haloti had to come in. Um, and back then it was the, the, the uh, extra point was at the two yard line. Not that it mattered. Haloti threw a perfect snap um, and um, it worked out, but I don't think we had to, I don't think they had to kick anymore after that. So. Good for Haloti. Um, mm-hmm. I also have my notes here. 2014 was the first year I started blogging. Kevin McDermott came in and there's this big fuss made pretty quickly when he signed because his grandmother was like chugging fireball on her 101st birthday. And it was made for blog material. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, here's a long snapper who's got a pretty sweet grandma, uh, yeah. gave me blog material. I may have become a Kevin McDermott guy originally. He may have been yeah, my yeah. guy. Um, yeah. Now, was that like this guy's grandma is kind of cool? Like my job might be in jeopardy or was it kind of like, this guy's, you know, drawing attention to himself. That's not very for the brand. Like, uh, what's that about? <laughs> I honestly, I forgot the grandma thing. That would have been very intimidating for me had that had I uh, known that in the moment. But uh, no, he <laughs> he um, he came in and, and and did a good job. Unfortunately, had an elbow injury um, after seven weeks, and then Pat Scales came in. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I. I came back the, the next season uh, and Kevin, I think they released, but I did compete with Pat. So. Sure. And then the job was yours. Did it again. <laughs> did it again. Yeah. Uh, another thing I have here, 2016, uh, Justin Tucker, 38 of 39. Do you want to explain the one? I mean, I, can I know, I know you guys know. <laughs> you know. Believe me, we know. Um <laughs> Uh, Tuck, uh, you know, is the best to do it. You know, I mean, there's, there's no arguing that. I mean, no, I don't think anybody can really argue that he's the best to do it. We're going through a perfect season. I think it was week 14, Monday night against the Patriots. Um, and the Patriots are the Patriots. I mean, they, they, um, studied us really well and, and clearly had, uh, had found something, um, about our rhythm and, uh, Oh, uh, uh, Shay McClellan, I think, or was his mm-hmm. name? Um, that was back when you could get a running start. And so Troy Palomalo was actually the, one of the first ones to do it. And he, um, he jumped over me, but Sam had held the count. This is years before Sam had held the count and he was actually like over the ball. He was over the top of me when Sam called for it. So he was already, he was off sides, didn't time it right. Well, Shay uh, timed it perfectly to his credit, uh, jumped over me. I threw a good snap. So I'm, I'm kind of like anchored down what I do afterwards. I anchor down and, and just make sure like the 300 pounders around me aren't, aren't, um, you know, throwing me back into, uh, into Tuck's lap. But uh, I didn't anticipate him jumping over me. Um, not that I could really do anything about it. That was kind mm, of one not at all. misconception <laughs> about it is that like, somehow I'd be able to like snap and get up fast enough to like keep that from happening. I actually do like a little hop um, right after I snap it. And I mean, he cleared me by like 
six inches, maybe even a foot. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> super athletic, but um, uh, I snap it back and, and kick is blocked and, and I couldn't figure out what had happened, but then looked up on the big screen and saw him, him jump over and we come over to the sidelines and, and uh, the announcer says over the loudspeaker, that is Justin Tucker's first miss of the season. Oh. And like, like I was standing oh. with Tuck. I was oh. standing with Tuck. This is week 14. It's in Gillette so too. <laughs> week 14, we're like, uh, it, should I like wave like or do like a, a lap? I mean, like that's, that's, <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty big deal. Like I hadn't missed all season. Um, and so, uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, we're, we're not bitter about it or anything. He would have had a perfect season, you know, no big deal. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I mean, it, they, they, to their credit, they, they, um, schemed us up and you didn't you didn't <laughs> hold on to it for three years and try to yeah exact any revenge did you um i mean you know there no we we're i mean tuck i don't think it's missed hardly at all i think we've i think we were talking about the other day i think the only he's only missed missed maybe once or twice since then i mean the 61 this past week but yeah uh, I think he missed one in Miami after that, the following season or something. And, um, but he, I mean, the dude done this. You guys so. hard counted the Patriots on a fourth and three last year. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. You I up, can't man. I forgot about that. We did. We did. And man, was Bill Belichick pissed off after that. Uh, <laughs> I had so many people like text me after that, like, Oh, I can't believe you did that. You got Bill, you got Bill on, on camera saying some choice words. Um, but, but yeah, we did. We, I mean, they came into that game, like, like they were the unstoppable force. And um, I feel like, I feel like that was a pretty, pretty, you know, momentum moving moment where we where we got them off sides and we went down and instead of having three points, we had, we got seven points and we're just off to the races after that. I think it was the opening drive and it, it was, was yeah. fourth and three at, at, at like uh, the six yard line or so and yeah, moved the close. chains and next play yeah. touchdown. Yeah. I mean, we were hyped after that. I bet so all the uh, referees have gotten on to me this year for, for doing that, that, that I'm not supposed to be doing it or something, but I'm like, what exactly did you do? Yeah. Let me, you gotta let me, um yeah let me look up at some point so i was gonna say what's the rule there there can't be a rule against that it was right? a look up yeah so so i'm not i'm allowed to look up but i'm not allowed to like put the ball on it on the tip on oh. the, the ball when and you so, look up yeah so i i can look up but i can't like move the ball at all and i didn't move the ball on on that play in particular i think i just caught them at at the you know like an unfocused moment or however you'd say that um and they uh, they jumped off sides, but um, I've, I've uh, looked up a couple times this year, and the the opposing team now that now that there's no fans in the stands, I can hear them yelling. They're like, "He's moving the ball! He's moving the ball!" But uh, the referees are telling me that that if uh, if they were to jump off sides, then it would be my fault. So I think that happened in the the Cleveland game earlier this year. Um, they jumped off sides and they called it on me. So I've done I, nothing different, you know, I'm not mad, but yeah. nothing different that I've been doing. The rules on you again. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, we know the rules and I'm going to follow them, abide by them. 
Morgan, <laughs> you're the you're the one closest to this guy, and everyone in Baltimore loves him. What makes Justin Tucker so good? Like, what makes him the best? Because to the rest of us, we just wonder why every kicker can't make every single field. Right. Goal. Yeah. And <laughs> and he and it's I, I incredible watching everybody like, else. What yeah, is like, what is the differentiator? Like, um, I I mean to 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 pin it down on one thing would be really tough. I mean he's um he I I, I credit his attention to detail most often that uh i mean he uh he's got the confidence this the skill level the the attention to detail the i mean the ability to do the same thing over and over and over and over the same exact way um and he demands a lot of out of himself i mean if he's got a kick that i mean he might he literally might make a kick straight down the middle in practice but it just didn't feel right off of his foot um, and then he'll go back and kick it. We'll go back and kick it again. And, um, and so it's just kind of that, if you want to call it perfectionism, um, I think that, that is, that differentiates him. Um, you know, the level of detail that we pay attention to here in Baltimore, we feel like is, uh, is, um, what's, what sets us apart. And one of the reasons we've been together for, for now, since this is Tuck's ninth year, we've been all three of us been together for nine years and that's, um, something we're very proud of because it's, it's kind of unheard of. Nobody else, nobody else is that has been to the, a trio has never been together that long that I know of. So I'd be, ever, I, actually, I should say, I shouldn't say it like that. I should say, I would like to know where we stand as of right now, there's nobody else in the league that's been together that long, but I'd be curious to know who else uh, in the past has been together as long as we have. Sure. Do you ever get caught like in a gaze after you snap it? And if you're not necessarily blocking anybody, just like, catch it in the sky just majestically going through the uprights you ever just get caught like all the time every pretty much every time because it's majestic yes but so like after i snapped the ball i mean justin's kicking it um 1.3 seconds after the ball moves and so um typically everything that happens that that i have to prevent um happens within that 1.3 seconds and so once I like, you know, give a, give a guy a shove or, or whatever, um, me just like, or if I get pummeled or whatever, I'll typically have an opportunity to look up and see it, you know, unless it's a short field goal, see it, um, going through the uprights, but yeah, majestic is a, is a great word. Uh, <laughs> and not, not to make this a whole Justin Tucker question yeah. segment. Um, used, I'm used to it. If, if Sam might <laughs> be rolling his eyes, but um, <laughs> What was the moment where you realized, like, holy crap, this, like, this isn't just another kicker who's going to, you know, kick around for three or four years mm-hmm. and then move on to some other team? When, what, like, what was there a moment that sticks out where you're going, this, this guy's something special? Um, gosh, not, nothing like, ju- nothing jumps out. I could name probably several moments just off the top of my head in his rookie year. When he was competing with Billy, I mean, he was never afraid of any kick. You know, he went back to 65 when he was kicking with Billy and, you know, Billy would go back with him and uh, as they were competing as, as, you know, guys do, um, uh, they, they were competing. And I, you could just tell that Justin kind of had a swagger at that time um, that, you know, he wasn't going to be denied. Um, but uh, let's see, another moment uh, was, I think it was the second game of his rookie season. We were in Philly, um, where we're going this week. Um, we were in Philly and we kicked a 58 yarder, I believe it was right before halftime. And like, I mean, he just like 
smokes the ball and he does i think he did like a dance or like you know how justin <laughs> did like a dance or something where he kind of you know called attention to himself i guess is the best way to put it um but you can just kind of tell like uh, you know that he just kind of had that that swagger that you know he was gonna he was gonna make most kicks and then he the, then he hit the game winner against the patriots when the, we had the replacement refs i think it was week four or something like that of his rookie season. The whole check losing his mind then too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, uh, that's a funny video. Was that field goal good? Was it? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To my grave. That was good. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, when he hit that, um, yeah, you just knew he was, he was destined for greatness, I guess is the best way to put it. So, um, Earlier this season, he got caught on the mic with the still fucking got it after banging the first field goal of the year. Do you have any comment on that? Uh, I would say that's not the first time I've heard that. Uh, <laughs> now, what <laughs> what is the most interesting thing that he has said after making a field goal or ridiculous thing? A ridiculous thing. Is that just... I, that, that's up there. I mean, it, with a dead <laughs> silent... With the dead silent stadium, I mean, we came off the sidelines and he told he told us about it, and I and I heard it a little bit, but um, he told us about it and he was like, "Man, I really hope that didn't make the make the broadcast and have to explain it to Easton, his son." So, did you guys get uh, in a little trouble for that? Was there a talking uh, I, to to everybody? Um, he, it was, you know, it's part of the game. We're we're jacked up in the game, and when you when you make a kick like that. Um, especially the first one in the season and in some weird circumstances, you, you get excited about it. I mean, it's, that's the best way to put it as you explain yeah. the way that is. there's, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this game, man. I mean, we, we stress about it. We lose sleep over it. You know, we uh, worry about so many little details. And when you get, when you get in a game and you get to convert, you know, for the team and, you know, hit a big field goal, whether it's the first field goal of the season or, you know, it's a long field goal before half or whatever. You just put a lot of emotion into into those kicks, and when when they go through or the snap goes, you know, as I as I want it to, then you know you let out a lot of emotion. I've 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 uh, uh, some teammates were surprised. It's kind of some of the emotion that I've let out after like a, a big field goal or something like that. But it's just you just pin up, you suppress, you suppress yeah. a lot of emotion before these things, and then when it all goes as you want it to there's the only thing you can do is let it out how do you measure that how do you measure the success at the end of a year because for for you know for a quarterback you're talking about for you for you specifically yeah because you know justin can look at how many kicks he makes sam his punting average but you are you talking to those guys and saying hey how are the snaps like you can't necessarily look at a stat what is it for you that you look at at the end of a year uh it's not really a stat as much as it is just like a body of work and you know i mean um if uh, as uh, as a specialist you 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 know how you've done it's pretty black and white to us even though you know for me i don't have a stat i know what if i put the ball where i wanted it to wanted to then i know that it was a good snap or you know if i if i blocked a guy a certain way or you know picked up all the blocks i was supposed to then um i know i did a good job even though it doesn't show up on a stat sheet um and, and with long snapping, there's a lot of people that can throw one good snap. And so for me, it, it's kind of boring, but the best way to put it is I look at the body of work. And so, you know, the unfortunate thing is one bad snap can, can literally 
you know, bomb an entire season, unfortunately. But, and so that's why you're always on kind of what I was alluding to. There's just a lot of emotion uh, when, when that kind of scenario is happening, we have to be a hundred percent in order to be, in order to have done our jobs the way we wanted to. Um, whereas, you know, like in baseball, you can like, you can strike out four times and, you know, uh, hit a home run and you've had a pretty good game. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> not, not being critical of baseball players or anything there could never do that. But, um, no, just going back to like, we have to be a hundred percent and we have to always be on. And so I look back at the body of work through the whole season and I've got, I, I'm more, I'm more proud of, of seasons, um, than I am like one particular snap or, that kind of thing. So sure. I've got there like I've got seasons in there where I'm I'm not I I can't even turn the film on if if the date shows up a certain date and I'm like I'm not even gonna watch it. So so I would expect that you you don't do any Twitter searching in your name should there ever have been a bad snap or anything. <laughs> Absolutely not. I won't now you given what you, you given crash <laughs> <laughs> given what you just said I won't bring up uh the one the only one kick I could find that was like oh maybe a bad yeah. snap there. I actually did some Twitter searching to see what might have been said at that given point about Morgan Cox. There were actually I, lied. Lovely... I did look it up. I can't. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they they were pretty it. much all lovely things. It was like, wow, yeah. that was that was really out of the ordinary. I forgot yeah. Morgan Cox existed. <laughs> that's well, the that's ultimate compliment, right? You no, know, I'd, I'd rather you know, you know, if I play, you know, eleven years and uh, nobody knows who I am, I've done my job too. So. That's, okay. That's like the um, the whole story that obviously the one other long snapper I remember is Trey Junkin yeah. from the 40. And I mean, he, his post-game comments after that, what was it? The NFC wildcard game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of echoed exactly what she said, where he oh, said, you know, I, I have one job. And if, if you know my name, I did something wrong. Yeah. So it's, he yeah. Played, Trey played nine. I want to say 19 years. That was his 19th season. And I think they signed him just for that game or something like that's that. Like such, he came out of retirement. That's so brutal. And yeah, and he had had such an awesome career up to that point, and he's defined and known for like you know, uh, uh, well, there was two snaps, but um, yeah, those that short amount of time. But I, I've since read. Um, I think it was oh guys, the book's name, the the title of the book is is the Long Snapper, and can't remember his name's Brian. I, I'm like blanking on his name right now, but he he made reference to Trey, saying like you know, he had done all this and, and, you know, messed up, you know, two, one or two snaps, one game. And now he wakes up, you know, at least once a week, you know, thinking about those um, for, for the rest of his life. And, stuff. and I, yeah, that's, I mean, you talk about pressure. I mean, that's Jeez. <laughs> so, uh, but Brian yeah. Brian Kinchin, Brian Kinchin. Brian Kinchin. Yep. That's yep. right. Exactly. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean uh, yeah, to go back to what you said, we, we try and stay anonymous and that's how we know, we've done our jobs when nobody's writing about us on Twitter. And do you guys have like a little long snapping fraternity? Like before every game, I, you know, obviously the, spe- the, the specialists, you guys are the first ones out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, are you meeting up with the other guy? Are you kind of comparing, are you asking him tips? You know, Hey, it's, it's turf, it's fast or it's natural grass. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure you're looking at all that before, but what, what's kind what kind of goes on because again it's not like it's a you're not a cornerback and a wide receiver jawing right. at each other on the practice field yeah. i'm sure it's a lot of tips and and you know pointers and stuff like that yeah i would say it's um from a specialist standpoint it's you know to a degree it's more like a like a golfer's attitude if anybody plays golf it's like you're not 
you're not rooting against the other guy. And of course, unless you got a bunch of money on, on the game or whatever, but I mean, <laughs> everybody, you know, you don't want to see anybody screw up, you know? And so, uh, yeah, there is a fraternity kind of like loose fraternity of, you know, we always meet out on the field and talk, you know, how's it going? How's family? You know, some of the guys, you know, like the, um, Clark and I've been playing against each other twice a year for 11 years now. And so, I mean, you know, you catch up a little bit, um, that kind of thing. But actually last year um, was the first year that we were actually voted um, to the Pro Bowl by like our peers in previous years. Um, we, it was just the coaching staff. Once the coaching staff got selected, they selected a snapper that they thought was deserving. Um, but the way it came about actually was that um, Joe Cardona texted me, he's with the Patriots snapper and said, Hey, we ought to like try and get, you know, on the uh, Pro Bowl ballot, see if we can get, um, and I, and I just thought, I thought, you know, well, I've got a bunch of numbers of guys, you know, snappers. Um, we'll, we'll see if we can get a group me, like a group message together and just like talk about it, see what we could do about it. And so I sent the invite out. I've got, I've still actually got the, the group in my, in my group me app, um, just 2019 NFL <laughs> snappers and it's 30 guys. I didn't get all 32, but, um, 30 guys in there. We, we like all jumped in there, started talking about it. Um, and then uh, Zach Diossi, who um, had previously or was playing for, for the, uh, the Giants for like 13 years, um, actually called the league offices and, and just said, like, this is what we want to do. Um, and like two weeks later, um, the, the Pro Bowl ballots went out and long snapper was on there and so we got we got uh we got on there that was that was kind of one of the products of like you know we all got together and started talking about it so a patriots guy putting that together for a pro bowl nominee yeah. that doesn't seem very I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I, I would love to hear what belichick thought about that yeah. that, would, that would be interesting yeah, yeah. <laughs> no uh yeah joe, joe like yes yeah, like i said joe's original idea was great um and then zach executed it perfectly and um now you know from now on you get, we'll be voted on. Um, it's just by coaches. So like, you know, we said, you know, they're in the, in the group me, like we don't want fans voting on it because <laughs> for one, like, you know, Joe's Joe Cardona, his, you know, the Patriots are a huge market. And so, you know, fans going to get on there and just vote for Joe. And so he's going to have, <laughs> you know, I don't know. We, might have to whatever. we could just do the Morgan Cox campaign every year. Yeah. 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 We'll yeah, start tweeting I, I, would love that. I would love that. But like <laughs> I said, we, we, it's just coaches and players that, that vote on uh, the long snapper and we're the only ones that have it, have it <laughs> nice like that. But it's, it's, it's like, I, that was my, I got voted in last year and like, you know, the, the ones previous where I got selected by the chiefs were really, really cool. I'm not taking anything away from them, but it's, you know, I got uh, Dave Tobe was a special teams coach. He was the one that called me and wanted me to um, come, come play the pro bowl in those two years. And then uh, last year, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie, I got a little emotional because, you know, voted by your peers uh, to go to the Pro Bowl is, is pretty cool. Morgan, one more question for you. You're a Tennessee guy, one of the rabid fan bases in all of college football. Mm -hmm. Some would say borderline. The most psychotic. rabid. The most uh, rabid. Yeah. Are, you, are you back? When are you going to – when is Tennessee back? Are you back now or will you be back in a year? What's we're, the we're, we're on our way back. I, I would say, like, we've – We've got the talent uh, pool is building. Um, I mean, just for, I feel like just for years, we were just kind of down. 
Um, Talent-wise, we couldn't sustain uh, games with, uh, you know, the likes of Alabama and uh, all those other other teams um, that we play every year. And so um, now that, you know, Jeremy's there and, and he is one of the best recruiters in the, in the country, if not the best recruiter in the country, and just getting, getting great talent there. And uh, yeah, so I think, I think we're on our way back. I, I got another year. I think they signed, I think they signed him to a few, few more years. And um, I think it's just a matter of time before we're, uh, we're competing. We won, we had the longest win streak uh, up till Saturday when I had to wear, <laughs> I had to wear Georgia gear yesterday. So, Ooh. Oh, there's, Oh, there was a little on the line there. Um, the other snapper, uh, who's on practice squad with us right now, Nick Moore. Oh, that's right. He went to uh, Georgia and, uh, you know, just a little friend, friendly wager. I'm going to back my guys. I'm not going to like back off of, sure. you know, you know we're, it's not just because we're on a, on a hot streak or whatever. Well, I'm going to back my team and not shy away from it. So um, you better believe that um, down the road, if uh, when Tennessee wins <laughs> that game, he's going to be, he's going to look like a, um, a caution barrel just walking through the you know, wherever, wherever. Do you have any good lane orange do you have any good lane kiffin stories uh none that i can tell <laughs> <laughs> lane lane's a great lane's a great guy i'll i'll say i'll tell one story that he he helped me get to uh the senior bowl um my last year i, I got to the senior bowl he did a lot of good for me um but he was a he was a fun guy to play for i can't i will never take that away from him he was a lot of fun to play for even though he was only there for a short time it was it was a fun year one of the all-time one of the all-time guys that people have stories about they can't tell oh, we had, we had... <laughs> the, the sec coaching uh ranks right now i mean it's that it should be a reality tv show i mean it's it's just uh it's with mike leach and and uh kiff and jeremy and kirby and nick all those guys there's just it's a yeah dan mullen yeah, Dan. Yeah, too. Yeah, Will Muschamp. It, I mean, there's there's no let up in any Keep of those. Going. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> Morgan, thanks for jumping on with us, man. Really appreciate Absolutely. all Anytime, the time yeah. and yeah. Uh, keep keep snapping those balls. Perfect. We we enjoy watching it here in Baltimore. Long snapper appreciation here in the city of Baltimore. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> Back to you in the studio. Back here on the Exit 52 podcast. Once again, thanks to our guy, Morgan Cox. Sensational with his time. We could have gone with him for like two hours. So much good stuff in there. Um, the the Super Bowl celebration. I mean, that's got to be just an absolute fly on the wall situation that any Ravens fan would have loved to have been a part of. I mean, that sounded incredible. I kind of <laughs> want to hear from his brother. I want to hear that story from his brother's mouth because I'm sure alcohol was involved. I'm sure he probably thought he was going to get tasered. Um, but yeah, again, I, I thought they were great. And I told Taylor this, Brian, before you got back on, I feel like Morgan Cox could drink no less than a thousand beers in one sitting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we, um, I mean, we had a lot of questions prepared and we maybe got to a third of them. I want to say like we, he, he was so grateful with his time and he had, he had so many good stories to tell us. And, um, you know, we continued to kind of shoot the shit after we kind of turned the recording off and, just a real good dude. And, and hopefully we get the whole wolf back on, he, you know, he might've, he, he said that may be a thing. So, you know, keep your eyes out for that one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listening to him talk about Tucker and just how much of a, of a perfectionist. Cause I always just wonder why he's so, we talk about it just in jest, 
why the hell can he make all the kicks and the rest of these clowns it's, just keep missing? It's fascinating. And, and, and it's, it, it's essentially, and to boil down Morgan's answer, it's essentially that he takes it, and not this is not a dig any of these other guys, he takes it more seriously with more detail than everybody else does. And, and that combined with talent, that's what puts him over the top. But just the intricacies involved in those specialist positions are just not talked about and pretty incredible to listen to. I mean, he took like, 90 seconds to explain that entire punt coverage thing. I, I, mm-hmm. I've never, I mean, I never played football, so whatever, but I mean, there's a lot going on there. You could tell he knew it at a master level, just like I would, I never expected to get a full rundown, basically the X's and O's of the gaps and the idea of, you know, we want to bubble this guy, all that stuff. It's fascinating. It's just a guy who's been a part of the best special teams unit in football for a decade um has mastered his craft and has the time to kind of devote to those extra things like it's fascinating i love it i was trying to think too when he was talking about them three being together like because again you don't see it you see kickers come in and out it seems like every couple years punters i feel like tend to stay with one team for the majority of their career and the only team i could think of or the only two guys because obviously i don't know oakland's long snapper is janikowski and shane leckler out there in oakland yeah, it feels like they were together for a long time, but yeah, I mean it's and it's not even just like position. It's not even like they're, they're just a specialist. Like it, a lot of people don't play football on the same team for ten years. Like that's a long time. And again, just for them three to be together, it's pretty wild. And it may not be something we ever see again, just because again, everyone flipping and flopping and going other places. So yeah, every, everything he had to say was great. Um, you know, and, and like you said, we have a couple. We had a couple more questions that hopefully we get into some of the other times he's on. Yeah. We're very yeah. pound signed, blessed to have them here in Baltimore and very fortunate to have had Morgan on the interview. So I, we all appreciate his time. Did you say pound sign blessed? Pound, Hashtag blessed? Pound sign. Pound sign blessed. I mean, what are, what is this? What is this? Doesn't two for the viewers at home. I did a little, uh, two fingers oh on two God. fingers. Pound sign. Wow. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, thanks for Morgan. He was he was absolutely fantastic. We'll jump into a couple segments here. First of all, Nick Caner Medley, People of the Week, Persons of the Week, Things of the Week. We made it like a TV show media of the week last week, me and Eric. Thanks. <laughs> Start us off. My Merrill Man of the Week is Rafael Nadal. As the yes, biggest the king. The biggest Rafael Nadal guy of this podcast. He is the king of clay, 20 majors, tied mm. Roger Federer, 13 yep. titles in uh, Paris, Roland Garros, 102, his hundredth win of his career. Absolutely clapped Djokovic's ass. Yes, Just he a did. joke of a match. Rolled Fuck through the Djokovic. entire tournament. No sets lost, and as a huge Nadal guy, the biggest guy in Baltimore, me personally, um, <laughs> you love to see it. Eric, I, don't love I, I will not be picking a tennis athlete, player, person. Um, my Nick Kinder Medley <laughs> man of the week is I got to give it to Alex Smith. I thought that was such a cool. Oh, uh, here, what are you, Tom Rinaldi? Well, no. So, so it's just, <laughs> I think that was the coolest thing just to see him come back because so the day he was injured when he got sacked by JJ Watt was the day we were still in the hospital after having Joe. So I just think back, like I now mm. have a daughter who's singing Baby Shark in full words, and this guy is just getting back to it. 
which is you're crazy. letting her do that as an Orioles guy with the Nationals there. Yeah, oh, but keep we, were, away. we were listening to it before the Nats got it. Okay, okay, okay. Um, <sighs> it's it's just crazy. I mean, again, I think all of us, our hearts stopped. I can go another one if you want me to drop that one. I got another one. No, that's a great one. Okay. That is honestly okay. a great one. That was incredible to watch. I was I have to throw my honorable mention here. Al, I gave an honorable mention to Alex Smith's wife who looked like she was and rightfully so going to and her name escapes me real quick so i'm gonna look elizabeth who looked like and the stress was so real and it was so understandable with her kids who just were just like in the stands like didn't really understand it was like understood what's going on but we're just like his daughter was just like dancing around and she was like oh my god i can't (laughs) believe my husband is gonna take a hit again after all that, it, both of them, just amazing story. The stuff ESPN did about that was incredible. And Absolutely. Was a watch. The best, I saw a tweet on Sunday that said, that should just showed a picture. It was like the picture of her with her hands on her head. And like you said, the kids like just being in another universe. And someone said, oh, good Lord, she brought the kids to this. I'm calling CPS, which was, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I, I think I kind of had the same um, when I saw that, you know, he completed the first pass and it was awesome. And then when he got sacked for that first time and Aaron Donald jumped on his back, I think we all had the, like, I was acting like a mother watching her kid and Pee Wee yelling, go down, go down, go down. Like, just, just don't get hurt again. So yeah, I, I thought that was awesome. I, I, it was, and Aaron Donald's uh, quote when he was on the sideline. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh yeah, I did. And he just said, man, that motherfucker's leg is strong was, <laughs> was absolutely hilarious. That's so. legendary. Shout out, like, shout out to AS. What is he? Number 11. Shout out to AS 11. That, that's what the kids call him. That's what I call him. <laughs> My uh, Maryland men in this case of the week. Um, and this is incredibly, incredibly self-serving. And I just mentioned before we jumped on and started this recording is my guys from Maryland in MLS this is not going to be a big soccer show, but my boys, Amar Sadich and Donovan Pines, getting their first goals from the national championship team a couple of years ago. Good on them. Good on them. Best soccer program in the country. I have the shirt on. Those are my guys. Shout out to them scoring their first goal. It's funny. I did have first goals. I did have uh, Rafael Nadal's an honorable mention. As uh, <laughs> do, you own a, do you own a Nike uh, King of Clay shirt? Three Thanks. of them actually no you don't own any of them i got one in in that auburn clay color i've got one in white and i got one in black i'm a huge rafa nadal guy the biggest guy shout out to my brother burke huge nadal guy this is a nadal not as big as me no bigger than you bigger than you (laughs) shout out to rafa he's an honorable mention you guys have any honorable mentions uh yeah i actually have a soccer one myself freddie Adu, he's back oh yeah freddie Adu, going from coaching uh a a boys team down here at latrobe park just booting it around on (laughs) banner field into the big leagues in sweden he's back baby i mean into the big he's like in the second division of swedish soccer is but good for him good for him is american soccer about to be relevant absolutely not not with freddie do sorry I mean, we can get – no one wants to hear us go down and be going down. Freddie Adu is back. A, a Bethesda native, if I remember correctly. Uh, was it Friends? Sure. Friendship something? Uh, what, what was that school you went to? I don't know, but um, that was electric. Uh, Freddie Adu, he's back. I also okay. have uh, um, Jeff Bezos, Amazon Prime Day, <laughs> ongoing. <laughs> Bought some podcast equipment. Hopefully the sound quality is a little better here. Uh, also bought a um, – Virtual sort of reality of, boxing. 
it's not virtual reality. It's literally just a headband you tie on your head, head and a ball, yeah. and you just punch it. This is great radio. Yeah. I'm just punching yeah. at the screen here. Yeah, um, we're both punching at the screen. <laughs> I'm ready to take on some challengers. Uh, you want you want to you, you want to go with me? I want Gervonta. Oh, you want Gervonta? Oh, you want to yeah. go over to Gervonta? Call me Gervonta Banks. That'll be a fun one. Get Gervonta. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> Talk about his Under Armour deal. I've got one last one too. It's my big brain uh, for coming up with the sportsbook movie theater idea. AMC is running out of, uh, well, they're all going bankrupt. All the AMCs, the movie theaters are going to run out of money. I have a brilliant idea. Credit to my big brain. Uh, cinemas. Turn all of those cinemas into sportsbooks. They've got all the sure. infrastructure, the, uh, the, the food and drink. Um, put, turn the lobby into a Dave and Buster's. There you have it. Like ESPN zone 2.0. Do it, yeah, do it to the one in Towson. Do it to the ones everywhere, right all over else. America. But change this yeah. planet. I, it's not too late to write me in on the presidential ballot. No. You're, you're uh, Kanye West just got certified as an official writing guy today in Maryland. So you got that going for you. You're going against Kanye and Trump and Biden. So Yeah, well, when he comes up with a, an idea this brilliant, <laughs> you know, maybe he'll get some votes. So you're not going to get, get, get an argument out of that. From, uh, from me, that sports book. Any uh, honorable mentions for you? Do I have your vote? RDT. Uh, we'll talk about it later, Banks. Do, do, I, do I have your vote? Yeah, sure. I yeah, declared it. I'm voting for you. I, Hell yeah. Yeah, I, there's two. Yeah. Which right. one of you wants to be my VP? <laughs> Fight. Fight. You too. Nah, we'll, no, no, no. I, I, I'll take it. I'll be the VP. Yeah, I'll give I'll, it to I'll take Eric. I'll take it from Eric. Eric can be a shadow advisor. He's got a kid. <laughs> he, can't, he doesn't have time for this shit, I guess. <laughs> All right, my uh, I'll do my honorable mentions. Um, LeBron, you know, oh, the hardest ring, the hardest ring go. ever. Um, you know, the ring, the bubble ring, <laughs> just an absolute dominating performance. Um, you know, his fourth championship, just an, um, you know, obviously for Kobe, for Gigi, for all that. The Black Mamba jerseys, they couldn't wrap it up in that. But you know, I mean, I'm a diehard Laker guy. I believe purple and gold. Oh you know, my God! This is just—it's uh, just a great. I mean, the goat. You know, we talked about goat with Morgan Cox. LeBron's probably eating grass somewhere. Just it's the true goat, <laughs> true goat. Um, and then my my second honorable mention is Ian Rappaport for getting <laughs> suspended for one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of, which is the uh, the manscaped ad. No what a vacuous turd! I yeah, right. That's, <laughs> but just that's a tough scene like, for all the. Just trying to make some cash on the side. But it's like, does Ian Rappaport really need to do a Manscaped ad? Like, does he need to check he that with the, NFL Network? I guess he, I guess so. Got it. But you can't. That's that's goes against the shield. Can't go was, against the shield, man. Yeah, you know, when they when they parade their their alcohol commercials with, with scantily <laughs> dressed girls all over our TVs every Sunday. Sure. But I just thought it was funny because no one knew what he got suspended for. I think it was was it Saturday night? I think so. And Everyone's yeah, like, oh, it was the Titans picture. Well, also the best was I saw someone tweeted his picture, his like apology. And then it said, you know, oh, and there's a deep fly ball back to left field. And that's a home run for Cassianos. And <laughs> <laughs> it fits so well. It fits so well into Ian Rappaport's apology. Um, but yeah, it was like everyone at first thought that he was getting suspended because he tweeted out the Titans pictures of them at that high school. And then it was like, no, it's an even dumber reason. It's because the dude is trying to make some cash with Manscaped. Um, so shout out to Ian Rappaport. I, I know it's probably hard um, with the Le'Veon Bell story. 
coming out last night. He had that. He has to have a burner where he's just like frantically tweeting stuff out. He has to. Yeah, it's like you. It's like an addiction. You can't just get rid of it. You have to get your fix. You have or to like, tweet it out into like the abyss. His personal Facebook is probably fire. Do you think right he now. has like a like a, a rap sheets thoughts like a like a Creed thoughts? Creed thoughts. Yeah, he's just <laughs> yeah. furiously typing into a Word document somewhere. So it's yeah. like at angelfire.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So shout out LeBron. Shout out Ian Rappaport. Good ones right there. Uh, any additions to the list? I uh, don't think that there's any additions to the list. Um, people, you know, the journos have been on their best behavior for the most part. Uh, there was one from last week that I maybe could have added, but I'm not going to get too into it. Um, just people who want to say that the Browns are, are now maybe potentially the biggest competition to the Steelers. What are we even talking about there? But, you know, I'm in a good mood. Nobody's getting added to the list here this week, but I'm still watching. Well, didn't Kareem Hunt say today that it's literally the Brown Super Bowl, the Steeler game? Yeah. I think he I said that. that. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a bad quote. Way to set your uh, way to set your uh, sights high. Is he wrong? Bad quote from Kareem. Well, he's always been a good um, judge of character, and, and um, oh no, he's, he's yeah. always had good. Um, what am I thinking of? I can't. You know what I'm getting at, though. You know. Yeah, Holy I know what you're getting. No, you're getting. And you were uh, trying to make a joke there, like a, I, I butchered that so right bad. Whoa, whoa, I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We'll move to any any go off any go offs here. Go off king. Any, I any almost advance. went off on Eric there. I almost went for it. I mean, you put in the honorable mention. How do you? I thought for sure he was going to be your man of the week, LeBron. Yeah, you tried to cover that by being a nice guy and giving it to Alex Smith. You, you well, I mean, it's his fourth championship. He didn't, you know, he didn't fall into one. Yeah, he didn't hold on. West or anything. But. This my go off king is about the narrative that this was a harder championship than any other championship. It's the most preposterous thing ever. There are sixteen with your teams. Sixteen teams in the tournament. Each team has a chance to win. You have to win sixteen games to win it. Each team has the equal opportunity. It's no harder to do so. Everything else surrounding you is challenging, but it's challenging for everybody. It doesn't make it any better of a championship. Like each team goes into a series, best of seven, and one team walks away the winner. One team walks away the loser. That's the way it works. Zero sum game. I don't like, do I need to go into game theory here? No, I, I clearly don't. It's <laughs> I'm so sick of this, this narrative that these championships are harder to win than the rest. I'm not going to invalidate them, but come on. Harder, also, harder the, the hardest the hardest championship he'll win is is beating that Golden State team. I mean, that's – and coming back from 3-1 down and having to win yeah, the game seven. Yeah, getting right. kicked I mean, we don't need to get to, We don't need to get too much into this, but that's that's the hardest championship he's won. Not this championship. And shout-out to that Heat team that made an incredible run. But Ex- that Golden except, State Oh, my go-off king, Duncan Robinson. Your face sucks. I hate you. You were oh, okay. that's right. Yeah, I, hated, I, I, yeah, I don't like him. this take. I hate him. That's a bad take. Who I, who hated him at Michigan? No one hated him at Michigan. I do because he looks like he looks like he should be playing at a gym, and and he's over there talking. You're just jealous he, of him. No, no, no. Because he was doing the thing where obviously he's a great three point shooter. It's an unbelievable story how he went from what is a D three or D two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. the text to Mark Titus and all that. That, that was great. But when you're sitting in the corner and you're pump faking and you're and then you're hitting a three and the guy barely brushes into you and he pulls the like the falling with it's his LeBron. No, no. It's oh every, my goodness! Oh, LeBron's been doing that for NBA. seventeen so years. It's everyone in the NBA. But when Duncan uh, Robinson does it, looking like a Nickelodeon uh, cartoon character, it just pisses. Oh me. no! And oh, it was a great effort. 
but he could not beat you, the goat. You must have been betting the under on his his point props every game, and I was hammering the over, and I had a great time with Duncan Robinson. I want to bet the guy. over on me punching him in the face. That's what <laughs> oh, I want to bet the geez. over on. I just never disliked Assault. him as a college player, Assault. so I'm not going to start disliking him as an NBA player because I, if I – I would have had reason to. He played at Michigan. Um he was lighting it up. He would always light played, it up. Against played against Maryland. Maryland. Would have played against Maryland. It never. He never annoyed me. Never annoyed me. So he didn't annoy me like he does now. I. I was more. I'm always more annoyed with the Michigan State guys. Who's the big? Michigan State had a big guy, um, when they wore those disgusting like lime green jerseys. When they were in Michigan State, there was a snowstorm here. I just remember that. Hating that guy. I forget Michigan State. But. That, that's for another day, but I'm trying to remember this. Yeah, yeah. that's my well, little well, college, basketball, game, but... college basketball is coming. College basketball is coming. Practice started today, hard right? and fast. Practice official mm-hmm. started practice today. Turfs are out on the court, baby. We got Aaron Wiggins stroking threes. We got Joel Joel hitting threes. We got Joel hitting threes. We got Arno Rivas hitting threes. The whole damn team's hitting threes, baby. So we'll, we'll get to the turfs. We'll, we'll get to the, the college basketball preview in a few weeks. But yeah, the Duncan Robinson take. I saw that when you tweeted that, and I was mm-hmm. like, "What a what a I don't ricochet!" Think you tweeted it. I think Robinson. he texted us. No, I tweet. I tweeted it. Tweeted yeah, it because yeah, we were sitting together. We were sitting together. Oh, is that like, what that was? Yeah, and I was like, "What is there talking about?" We forgot to. We were having a few sodas. Uh, we forgot couple, to write that down. So I'm glad you brought that up, Eric, because yeah, it's yeah. a brutal take. I I don't like Duncan Robinson. I don't like his face. I I think, you know, I don't know. I'm over it. I'm over it. Another that's, ring for the that's camp. That's fine. That's fine. Um, Shout out I, Henrik Lundqvist too. That could have been someone's uh, Nick Cannon medley man of the week. Uh, I don't know. The actual, the actual king. Not the actual king. The actual king. <laughs> Another one of, great, one of the great. This is Sports Center commercials of all time. Henrik Lundqvist. That is a tremendous commercial. Um, we will. I will connect uh, us into the mailbag here. Um, and in this go off king segment last week, I called the universally considered the best baseball player in the world right now, Mike Trout. I called him a loser. And I continue to stand by my statement that he is, in fact, a loser, despite being a incredible, incredible talent, an incredible baseball player. Um, we had someone mail in here by the name of Jeff Trimmer in full transparency, the commissioner of a fantasy football league I currently reside in and I'm in first place in the division. And, they crushed, and I crushed him this week. In, in I was going to ask if you knew him. Turncoat. I didn't know if you knew him or if he was just like coming out blind, like, yo, this no. dude. No. Aids Taylor. <laughs> okay, all right. That that clears up a lot of stuff. Cavardall class 2014. Shout out to all of our Cavardall listeners. I'm sure they're met me. Um, and he uh, emailed us in uh, to compare to a Baltimore baseball legend, Cal Ripken, who won the World Series in his second full season in the MLB, who only made the playoffs twice in the rest of his career. He was part of a record, MLB worst record, 0-21 start, blah, 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 blah. If the Orioles do not win the 1983 World Series, is – Cal Ripken considered a loser. So here's the issue with the premise of this question is he won the 1983 world series. So he is not a loser. So this is just kind of nonsensical in the sense, sorry, Jeff. Now, if he doesn't win, I, I will, I will, you know, humor you. If he doesn't win 1983 world series, the streak is such an impactful thing on baseball that by saving major league baseball he continues to be a winner and that is the Ripken story and that's not even biased if he had played for another team that was so he was the sportsman of the year from sports illustrated that is a ridiculous accomplishment until they gave it to jose altuve 
Well, but they gave it to me too. Fair, but um, that. Oh no, that I was time. Say, My bad. That was time. That was time. That was, that was time. time. Oh, true. Same company. They were in the same company. No, not sure. anymore. But they were in the same company. Hand up, though. Um, so <laughs> I was. I would say first of all, Calrip can clearly consider a winner. Clearly a winner. Won the 1980 World Series. Was on a great team. But the streak might be one of the like lone qualifying things that's not getting it done on the field that like totally transforms the game that continue that makes him continuing to be a winner. But I like the argument. I, I like the hypothetical argument and willing to, and willing to hear the other side, but he is right now. He is a winner. Who's a bigger loser, Mike Trout or Don Mattingly. He never won a world series with Ooh. the Yankees. Probably, probably, probably Mattingly at this point. Cause Mike Trout's still got the rest of his career. And like I said, last week, Mike Trout can still become a winner. Mattingly had I don't these think he Dodgers. has to do all that much. I don't think he has to do all that much. Just get to the playoffs, bro. If, if they would have threw a bro out there, just get to the playoffs, dude. Just get there. <laughs> if they lose to the to Houston or they lose, you know, to to, to someone like that, yeah, in like a seven game ALDS sure. or something like that, then sure. it's like okay, there's some fight there. I know what you're saying because again, it's like every year, it's like oh, 25 like, games oh, under. Yeah, and because oh, it's funny, wins again. I think Portnoy said it like last year. It's like. The first week in October, it's like you see Mookie Betts on a baseball field somewhere. And then it's like the first week in October, you see Mike Trout in the end zone of an Eagles game having the time of his life. And it's like, well, yeah, if that's what yeah. you're fine with, then yeah, go for it. But it's like you'll never – yeah, you'll never be considered that winner. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough scene. It's Great a tough point. scene. Just want to so, – thank you. Go ahead. Thank no. you to Jeff for your question. Thank you to Mr. Trimmer, a good man, for your question. Just want to add in as you you just kind of threw the streak being one of those additive things that makes you not a loser. Just want to give a shout out. Guy who won many World Series, Joe Morgan, certainly not a loser as a player, but his broadcasting career as uh, with ESPN, I sent you guys an athletic article that I'm not sure if you had the time to get through. It was a pretty long one, but it was written back in April. I recommend anybody who has a subscription, um, and this is a rare plug for another, you know, site or whatever but go back and read it because i thought it was the best thing i've read all year joe morgan and what he did for for baseball and for espn and and those broadcasts that he and and john miller did for so many years i thought it was awesome so rest in peace legend john miller legend yeah rest in peace to a legend uh what he did as a broadcaster was i mean he's a better baseball player i think people realize his career Mm -hmm. wars over 100 yeah, he was really yeah. good. He won back-to-back MVPs. That's not something that that many people can say. So, great baseball player, uh, great broadcaster, and uh, guy who just really cared about the game of baseball. So, rest in peace, I, man. I think I I wrote in my warm-up because I did I, or my wake-up. I didn't read the athletic piece yet. I'm going to, and again, I subscribe to that pretty much just for Bricciaroli's articles because um, I think she's fantastic. But yeah, so I'm going to read that one. But I think I I. Um, I think I wrote that like it, my, my baseball, when I think of baseball and like growing up, my, it's not Gary Thorne. It's not Jim Palmer. It's John Miller. And it's, it's, it's no Jim doubt. Morgan. And it's that like, music. I remember that. It's iconic. Yep. I had a buddy who had that as like a text message ringtone and it was perfect. So good. I want to go back and do that now. So yeah. And now it's, now it's Matt Verscursion and A-Rod broadcasting. I love Matty V. I think Matty V is one of the most. I like both of them. They brought that home. They were lost in the wilderness for a little bit. I think A-Rod's good too. That might be controversial. They just like brought in Oral Hershiser, like forced them on to John Miller and Joe Morgan. And I forget they brought somebody in the next year, and then they were just like, 
no, like this yeah. is then they said the Oral, man the thing Williams is not board. is not for us. They said, hey, Oral, do the do the Little League World Series title game with Brent Musburger, and they sent him down there. So we don't need you in the big leagues anymore, buddy. Um, so yeah, shout out to shout out to Joe Morgan. It's tough. It's tough. You like it's it's fun to look back on those careers. Um, unfortunately, when these when these guys these legends pass away, and you it's, you get a re, you get a real appreciation because late late in the Joe Morgan, not to blame this, but late in Joe Morgan's broadcast career, he was getting a ton. Same with Tim McCarver, they would just get eviscerated. But like at the beginning of their careers, they were transformative. I mean, McCarver was one of the best so for for a long, long time, and. Unfortunately, in the social media era, I mean, these, these guys just get destroyed. Like Greg Gumble, honestly, for 30 years has been amazing. <laughs> and we talked about it on the, on the post game on the post game analysis show. He, he, I mean, he was just bad this week, and it just that is what a lot of people, at least in this fan base, will remember him for. But um, yeah, it's been one a rough more couple of weeks for Hall of Famers, so for Hall of Famers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Neymar, one Ross, more, more question here um, from, and we've had this one for a while, but I'll throw it at you guys to finish. Jake Brandon at Jake B six eight eight favorite Ravens uniform combo all time or current current I I wasn't a huge fan of it when they first did it I mean I didn't hate it by any means but Lamar in the color rush with the gold numbers I love and maybe a bit of that has to do with the way they played in that Rams game last year but when they wear those and it's maybe it's just for night games it pops and he just looks he looks like a king it's majestic colors and um just the way that they they kick the rams teeth in and and i mean i was going through some old tweets and i found the one of uh I, a video i found of of like judon and chuck clark like going into the stands basically at the la coliseum and just like stealing everybody's popcorn and stuff and i just thought mm-hmm. Oh man, these guys look ridiculous and they're all purple and their gold numbers is looking sweet. That's just a complete tangent about the jerseys themselves. But I think that's that's my pick for the Ravens uniforms for a lot of years. It was gonna be the, the all blacks, but I if they wanted to to switch or make a, a, a slight tweak to the gold numbers permanently, I wouldn't hate that one bit. Yeah, the golden numbers are good. I'm gonna go with the all blacks. I think that the All Blacks are sweet. I've always liked them since they've unveiled Can't them. Can't go wrong. Um, and they're they're just tremendous. They're just badass. Um, and I the think the thing about the we, All Blacks is is how they wear them. You know, it's you know it's the big game when yep, they. it just out, gives right? you that little. Yep, it just gives that little extra sense that that you're uh, you're coming into one of the bigger games. And we've had good memories in those in those things. Obviously, the most recent not too good, but uh, the All Blacks will always get it done for me. Ravens have great uniforms across the board for the most part. Uh, I'll go mine. I'll go uh, the gold pants. <laughs> oh, no, those I, are not current. No, no, no. no. Um, we left those with Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> I like the uh, I like the um, purple. I like the purple tops. Or no, what is it? Black tops, purple pants. Oh, the white, the white jerseys and the purple pants. They didn't really do they, until a couple years ago, and that they pops. look fast. They look fast. They do look fast. Those. Yeah. So any yeah. of those combinations, I, I like. Like I said, the, the all purple look good. The all black look good. But there's something about when they do like the black tops, purple bottoms, or, you know, the, the other way around. I can't – I think it's that way, right? They don't do black tops, purple bottoms. No, they do. They do all those. I don't know. They've well, only won the Super Bowl in white. Yeah, only won the Super Bowl in white. Isn't that like a thing? Hasn't it like the white uniforms are always – it's like 12 of the it last 13 or something? It was for a while. I'm sure that's kind of ended, but – 
That, yeah. was def- that was a thing. But the Ravens' tremendous uniforms. When we get closer to Orioles season, we will talk Orioles uniform combination. There are some damn good kits in this Beautiful, town. yeah. Yes. I mean, we have good good uniforms um, throughout. And even if you extend, honestly, into into uh, into the, the DMV, not the professional football team, but, uh, but like the Caps have great, great uniforms as well. And uh, Wizards have had some good uniforms. Wizards have as well. And Maryland. They had some real stickers. Uh, we've gone a little up and down, but I think we're in a good place right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where we will finish the Exit 52 podcast for this week. Um, shout out once again um, to our guy, Morgan Cox, for jumping on the pod. Really appreciate his time. Follow us on all of our social media channels at Exit 52 Podcast, where we are just pumping content out of that thing I'm all the time. Uh, the boys around me here, I'm, I'm just sitting and letting them do their thing. And you guys are throwing out some great stuff on there. Follow the guys at Barstool Banks on Twitter for all of the Ravens takes you want. Eric is at E D I T T I 22 for all of the RDT content you want. I'm Taylor Smite 10. If you want to see me retweet Maryland soccer and we will see you for the instant analysis after Sunday's game against the Eagles. That's it for this week on the X52 podcast. Thanks for listening.